You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. You're listening to CLNS Media, powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to CLNSMedia.com/roll. Use our promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your first deposit. Hello, and welcome back to the Winning Plays podcast with Brian, Rob, and Michael Pina. I'm Rich Levine, and guys, the NBA draft is only a few weeks away now, but we're not ready to dive into the scouting mode quite yet. Today's episode, we'll take a look at the seven Celtics currently under contract and how their values stack up for potential draft night trades. Uh, first, we're going to ask you, of course, to please subscribe to the Winning Plays podcast on whatever platform you listen. Follow us on Twitter, at Winning Plays Pod. Also, a shout-out to CLNS Media for hosting our podcast. Shout-out to BetOnline.ag, the best sponsor we've ever had by far. Uh, we're also going to talk some NBA Finals today. Uh, Raptors and Warriors kick off on Thursday. But first, uh, B-Rob and uh, Michael, Michael V. Pina. Mm. MVPina, have you started using that yet? I think that that's a good. I think not, that's, a, that's some good it. branding for you. No. Yeah, maybe I'll think okay. about it. Fine. So we got such a good reaction at the start of last episode for the, the trivia question. So here's a trivia to start off this podcast. You ready? Mm. Uh, with the NBA Finals starting this week, it's been nine years now since the Celtics played a game in the NBA Finals. That was Game Seven in LA, 2010, and we don't want to talk too much about that. But I'll say this: the Celtics went with a six-man rotation in that game. Only one guy played more than five and a half minutes off the bench. Mm-hmm. I'm going to rank this a seven out of ten on the difficulty scale. I would like you to tell me who played the one guy who came off the bench in Game Seven of 2010 against the Lakers to play more than five and a half minutes. Nate, oh, of course, Nate, easy. Nate Robinson. That is incorrect. Bureau. Uh, Big Baby Davis. Well, I was after your reaction. I was a little nervous that you were going to get it wrong, but Damn. well, well done. I actually talked to Nate Robinson about this in an interview a couple years ago, just how he thought the fact that Doc didn't play him at all in Game 7 cost him. Hey, I agree. Which I agree, which I agree. I think it's a good point. Especially as Ray Allen was, I don't, I mean, this is so long ago, but he had a really tough game. Well, Ray Allen, you remember Ray Allen got kneed in the thigh by Meta World Peace, and he was not the same the rest of that series. Yeah, so I thought that was, thought was a little surprising. We might have to do a breakdown of that series I, later. I will never... I will never. This is the most I'll ever talk about that series <laughs> again. But yeah, that's 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 it for me. Yeah. Last thing on Big Baby: fifty-five playoff games in his first three seasons in the NBA. Yeah, including some pretty big shots in Orlando. Oh right, when he was filling in for KG. Right. Yeah. Anyways, that's a good start. We can we we can move on, but a little love for okay. for Big good Baby question. Davis. It's a great trivia question, Rich. I Rich got it is. wrong, so. <laughs> I know. I, I feel it's quality. Bad. I feel bad. I put the seven on it now because B Rob knew the answer before I was even finished asking. That's what you get when you're the Celtics. B-Rob, Only because you know? I've. They, I mean, hey, <laughs> I when you when you ask when you talk to someone about it, that's what happens. Sure. But let's uh, let's move along here to um. I think it's. I always enjoy uh these podcasts. We do them probably a couple times a year now, but with. The NBA draft just a few weeks away, and pretty much anything in play for this Celtics team, um, as far as trades go, whether it's keeping everyone or potentially really shaking things up. I think it's a good time to just take stock of uh, everyone on the roster with some trade value parking. So, how this is going to work is we're all going to go through our lists, um, go through the seven players under contract right now on the Celtics roster. Those are the only guys we're including because those are the only guys that are eligible to be traded um, on draft night or in the next month, I should say. But we're also going to include upcoming notable draft picks in those rankings. So the Celtics obviously have number 14, 20, and 22 picks this year, as well as a protected Memphis pick for 2020 um, and potentially beyond that as well. It's top six protected for 2020 and then unprotected in 2021. So... Uh, without further ado, we're going to, we base these rankings again. This is not just based on a player's talent. It's based on age, what kind of money they're making, 
you know, any factor that would go into a trade uh, that a team around the league would, would care about. So without further ado, we're going to start with number 11. And I'll hand off here to Michael Pina. I don't think there's going to be a ton of disagreement here, so we can probably... Uh, you never know. You never know. Maybe not. Let's, um, Mike, let's, let's start us off here. Yabu is my vote. number 11. I'm a vote for Yabu, too. Yeah. I am also Yabu. <laughs> Yeah, that was into no disrespect to Yabu the God, but I, I, I just there's really no I guess well my number ten let's just go through these top ones really the top two or three really quick I guess sure. um, my ten is uh, Shemi and maybe you guys had him higher I don't know but I, I also had ten Shemi okay um, I mean bottom line for me is like Shemi's value is in the the book series and he didn't really do anything so. <laughs> Like, no. That's worrisome. Worrisome for his Yeah, audience. that's uh, that's it for him right there in, in my eyes. Uh, he's really cheap, which is nice. Um, but to, to be fair, is that should he have played more in that series? Yeah, I don't, I don't I think say, anything matters. I was going to say, I don't think he got that, that much of a chance to, to show what he had in that matchup. Yeah. I would agree. But we're not going to split hairs. I mean, is, 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 is his legacy as a Celtic to this point... Um, slamming medicine balls against the wall after games is that like the the mm. like the first thing you think of when you think about Shemi? No, his arm the biceps are the are his legacy yabu's ass and and uh <laughs> and shemi's biceps those are their two legacies i mean he actually came into game five last year though and one i said help win them that series i mean recency bias would be the the medicine ball and the in the muscles but he actually to his credit, he actually did something, did a lot for this team, not this past year, but the year before that. Yeah, um, I'm with you on that, 100%. Do you think, is there it, any chance he could... It is. B-Rob, is there any chance he could be like a, a P.J. Tucker at some point? Like, I mean, that, that's the ceiling for him, right? Is there, is there too late? I think he showed, again, the three-point shooting stayed at 31% this year, which isn't great, obviously. Um, but he did show, he did show a lot of improvement you know, actually being able to get to the basket. He shot 56% inside the arc. Again, only one attempt per game, but, like, that was a 20% increase. So he could at least, like, could drive this year and actually finish a layup, which for him is, after his rookie year, was big. And I don't know, like, he, again, the numbers for the Celtics, Mike, were really good when he was on the floor. He just never got on the floor, which, again, <laughs> we all know why. So, like, I feel like he's going to, he'll play somewhere next year. It's just the question of whether it's going to be, here or on the Pelicans or some other team. Yeah, the question is that if, if the Celtics do find themselves in a situation where they're going to sacrifice some of that depth for a much top-heavier kind of roster moving forward, he is the kind of guy that, that his value could increase a lot that in-house. Not necessarily if we're talking like in the trade market the rest of the NBA, but he could be worth a little bit more for the Celtics. 100%. Do you, is, one other question before we move on to number nine. Is, is Yabu going to be on an NBA roster by the end of next season? I doubt it. Yeah, I don't I wish guess. it. I don't wish it, but it doesn't. No, of course not. Doesn't look likely. He just hasn't really, you know. Usually, after a couple of years in the NBA system, you you see a little bit more changes in, in body type, and some some of it he can't help. You know, you are what you are in, in some cases, but I don't know. Just hasn't really clicked for Gershon. Yeah. Um. Okay. Shall I? Go to my, what number are we on already here? We're on number nine. nine. Uh, Number nine, I have the 22nd pick in this year's draft. Um, Yeah, basically, I mean, my rationale there is it's lower than the 20th pick. (laughs) (laughs) And from everything I've heard, I've looked at some mock drafts and I just don't know... I mean, look, draft picks are really valuable. First-round picks are valuable, even if they're in the 20s. Uh, you, you you get a piece on a rookie-scale deal who can uh, ostensibly provide contribution down the line. and uh, So that's valuable. Um, 22, you know, there have been players drafted even lower than that. I think, like, the 27th pick, for some reason, always yields a, like, really good player. Um which is just funny, but um, uh, like uh, I think Rudy Gobert was picked twenty seven, and who was Jimmy? Twenty eight. Jimmy was twenty eight, maybe. No, he was thirty. Oh. 
Uh, Kuzma was 27. Someone else was really yeah. good was 27. But uh, yeah, so t- I mean, I'm just putting 22nd here because it's a pick. That's that's kind of valuable. But we don't know what it is exactly. And uh, relative to some of the other people on this list, I, I just have those. I, I think those are just more valuable in my opinion. So is it fair to say number eight for you is 20? Correct. Okay, so we'll package those together. So, yeah. Okay. That's, and for me, you guys split hairs too much. Are you guys both on there? Uh, no, I have, I'll go let Rich go. I didn't have. I have a different nine. Well, for me, it was if you said to any team in the NBA, would you rather have the twentieth or twenty-second pick or Time Lord in a trade? Kind of feel like they're going to go Robert Williams. So that's that's I, why I I do tw- twenty-two and twenty for my next two. So it was close for me. And I actually went nine for Robert Williams, even Ooh. though it, I... Whoa, wow. Just because... Europe has Zion, so at 20. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... it's With the NBA, again, Williams obviously showed plenty of things to get excited about, particularly in the first half of the year before he got too hurt and then buried uh, in the death chart. But I think in the NBA, the mystery box is always more exciting, um, like, generally when it comes to drafts. So, like... With the twentieth pick, you or twenty and twenty-two and twenty, I should say, you have, you know, a guy under control for one more year, and then you always think you're going to do better than a guy that has, you know, his weaknesses shown, which sure. Williams does to this point. So again, I think it's very close. I'm not surprised at all that, you know, I think you could go either or there for nine or eight easily, uh, but I went Time Lord nine. And quick, the, the picks eight and seven. Quick question about uh, Time Lord: Do you guys think that if he and Mitchell Robinson swapped teams and roles, that Robert Williams would have had a better rookie season, like it, it, a better rookie season than Mitchell Robinson had with the Knicks this year? Oh yeah, because I'm glad you clarified. Because my first answer was yes, he would have had a better season. But yeah, no, nowhere as good as as Mitchell Robinson. I don't think. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Mitchell, I mean, Williams, I haven't looked, watched too much of Robinson's offensive game, but it seems like he obviously has a lot more bulk and can rebound a lot better, um, And which I feel like Williams still has to do a lot there right now. So, like, he probably would be exposed more in, you know, bigger minutes. But I don't know. What do you think, Mike? Well, uh, I think it's a flip of the coin, honestly. I mean, Mitchell Robinson obviously had a great year just as this, like, prototypical shot blocker, particularly on the perimeter. But I feel like they're just the same. They're just cut from the same cloth type of player. So, like, both freak athletes can jump out of the gym, lob threats, I feel like Robert Williams is a better rebounder than you're saying. I haven't like looked at the numbers or anything, but just from what I've seen, yeah, he was a great offensive rebounder. Yeah, and more like when he like trying to box out in the defensive end, he actually was pretty. He had a good rate last year. I take that back. Yeah, um, let me say two two things real quick. First of all, is I don't know how well Robert Williams would have done just in the scene in New York. It's just a little crazy. Never mind the big city. Just that organization is such a mess. I don't know if that would have been a great place for him to thrive. I think that the, yeah, I will call it rigidness, but let's say just the organization of the Celtics is a very good spot for him, who need, considering he needs to just mature a little bit more. Uh, the second thing is we have a sponsor. I mentioned them at the top of the podcast. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if you guys heard, but uh, the sponsor is BetOnline.ag. <laughs> it's the best uh, spot online to place your bets for the NBA Finals, for the Stanley Cup Finals, I know the three of us already have our best place for the finals of this weekend's big national spelling bee. Uh, Pina has betting that the winner will not wear glasses. I say the winner will wear braces. And B-Rob took the over on the winning word being over 10 letters long. So we got to keep an eye out for that. But uh, BetOnline.ag, they also have live betting, a virtual casino, all sorts of fun. They are CLNS Media's, CLNS Media's preferred sportsbook online. If you want to join the, in the playoff fun or the NBA finals fun or the spelling bee fun, and would like to support our podcast, go to clnsmedia.com backslash winning plays and use the promo code CLNS50 for that 50% sign up bonus. Uh, CLNS50, betonline.ag. They are your online sportsbook experts. And we're into number eight, I believe, in our countdown. Unless we any more uh, Time Lord conversation? 
I'm just curious what he's going to be. I mean, he's going to play Summer League. Is he officially? And, and not officially, but he, he should. He, he should he? play. Exactly. He needs to play Summer League. So that's got to be a place and, where he um, needs to he needs to dominate Summer League this summer. Big I, men don't dominate Summer League. Right. Uh, so sure. He's not, he he's not going to dominate Summer League. He needs to be healthy enough to play in Summer League. Yeah, impose himself defensively, and that's really all he should be trying to do. He's not. He's not going to like average twenty five in summer league. No sure, but we know those, those. But there's a difference in like like you can define dominating summer league in different ways. But he needs to clearly be one of the best players on the floor at most times. Right. You want him to be a cut above the rest of the talent that's on there, like something that, like say Yabu last year, definitely was not like, <laughs> just like right. look like an NBA player and. Again, he did that on the floor this year in stretches, and I'm curious to see again what he would have looked like. You know, it it will be fascinating to see what he what this team decides to do in like a trade for who they decide to throw in Ojale or like Robert Williams if for like a in an AD trade if it comes up. I wouldn't even like treat Williams. I mean, he's not a deal breaker by any stretch, but I would not view him as a just like a throwaway like i think he can have a an nba career oh yeah i agree but i would not say the same for shemmy but but say yeah. you got say you got baines coming back and you're getting ad and you're getting horford here who's going to help that do you want to have shemmy on that team or or robert williams for out of depth Which no i mean that, that that makes sense um yeah that's a tough one for sure it's just it yeah i i definitely agree with what you're saying and i would it's it's Shemi is definitely the better fit there. Um, a lot of positional overlap, and you don't want, like, if you're going to overlap on positions, I don't think the five is necessarily that what you want to stack players on top of each other. Sure, Where, but, but you got like, a lot of injury-prone guys there, too, so it might maybe... Yeah, yeah, maybe. maybe. Like, yeah. Tice would be gone. That's just, yeah, I assume Tice would be if Rich's yeah. sources. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, Daniel, um, my, my breaking Daniel Tice news, which I wasn't I wasn't joking about, by the way. But no, no one, no one no, you Take were. that victory lap. Listen, did it make it seem more like I was making it up when I denied it? I think that's how it works. <laughs> but, I, but, I, but, I, but I promise that's not the case. Um, what What do we think the chances are that Robert Williams will ever develop a three point shot? Because Mitchell Robinson is doing that as we speak. Is he? Whoa! Yeah. Who said that? Uh, it's been in the It's been in the papers. <laughs> But no, oh, those, those, yeah. those classically reliable New York tabloids. No, but I did. I did read something a month. I'd or like so, to see that shot. A month or so ago, that he's that he's now turning the page to try and put that into his game for for next year. And uh, I don't know. I think to to play consistently in this league, you need some sort of range. And Robert yeah, doesn't I, seem to have it at the moment. He's also super young. I'm just asking you: Do we think that he can develop? I mean, I. Uh... I view him more as like a, a more athletic, more durable Clint Capella as a ceiling. So I'm not even like, look, if he developed a shot, that would be terrific. But I'm not even, it's like not even really on my radar when I look at him as a prospect. Sure. I wouldn't be shocked if Clint Capella is bombing threes next year either, but we'll see. In China? <laughs> yeah, do you don't think if he could play in the NBA? That Whatever. Let's move on. This is not a Clint Capella right, podcast. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, so we're on seven. Yeah, so we're on seven for you guys. Okay, I think my seven is, might be a little hot takey, but my seven is Gordon Hayward. Mine too. Oh, okay. Yeah. B-Rob? My, that is my number six because my eight and seven were 20 and 22. Gotcha. Uh Um. But we're on the same page here, it sounds like. Okay, so basically, I mean, Gordon is... I've been really optimistic about what he will be next year on what may be the last season of his contract, $32.7 million, $34.1 million player option in 2021. I mean, like I said, I've been optimistic about what he can be still. And in the second year back from a major injury, um, I expect him to just, be a lot more consistent, a lot more authoritative, more aggressive, just really more reminiscent of the player that they thought they were getting when they signed him. That said, if I'm any other team, 
I just don't even view him as a very attractive asset at that number. And even though his game is, is it, you know, you can really plug it into a lot of different systems and situations, and I think he can complement other stars really well, I, I just don't know who's going to... It's it's just too risky at that much money to really be considered a nice asset. Yeah, I think the destination has a lot. To, and I, I, I almost wanted to have a separate column just for Gordon, just because... If we're talking about the the Pelicans or the Grizzlies, right, that's one thing. But if we're talking about the Warriors or, you know, a team that might be trying to contend right away, I don't know. Maybe you can convince yourself that what you have, Mike, and what I am too, that next year he's going to maybe be pretty close to the guy we saw. I mean, how much would it convince, would would, would he have to show you before it's realistic, maybe like, because I'm of of the belief that Portland's not going to be able to keep McCollum and Dame. I'm pretty sure that they're gonna they're gonna give Dan the supermax. Why? I just, I don't know. Like it, with all the money in that backcourt, you think they're like th- that's gonna be enough to compete? I think they're they're better off splitting those guys up and just trying to just you know diversify the team a little bit. I mean, they just made the Western Conference Finals without their starting center. Yeah, and last year the Celtics made the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, like it's like I don't I just don't know how much you can you can put it on that. I just think, but would. would would Portland immediately hang up? Let's say, let's say Gordon has a, a good couple of weeks, a good month next year. You think that's mm-hmm. totally unreasonable? For who? I mean, not straight up from a column. Let's just say that those are the two bases of a of, of a trade negotiation. Yeah, Hayward. I, I see where you're getting at, Rich. There's value in, in that the, for Portland, right? It's like, like yeah. Hayward would have value for only in the sense of like a, a team that wants to contend. But isn't a big enough market to get a free agent to come there? Yeah, that's a good so point. A yeah. Portland would be an example of that. I don't, I don't think CJ. I think CJ is like, I think what they're going to do is they're going to hopefully start dumping some of those terrible contracts by the time they have to pay Dame and McCall and the max. I don't, I don't think they're good enough. But if if Hayward does have like a great like first half of the season, looks the you know looks like his Utah self, then. Yeah, then you don't trade him. Yeah, then that's the thing. I think the Celtics are like, well, we're gonna, you know, unless it's a situation but, where you still have Jalen and and Tatum. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's You're still gonna have the overload. That would be a conversation worth having for sure, like in terms of fit. Yeah, but Hayward's also a much better playmaker than CJ. Like, I, I, fit wise, I would just I'd like Gordon more with Jalen and and defensively also, but. Right, that's a good yeah. point too. Um, okay, but, should we move on from this number? Or yeah, I mean, I like when you look at Gordon. Like, what is? I guess the the only place because I mean, this is a. It's really not being talked about, but like, this is going to be when we talked about you know, the decisions the front office is going to have to make this season. It's like, who do we want on this team in the future? Like, you know, clearly you want the best version of Gordon and the one you want to give him an opportunity to show he's, he's back. But is, are you going to give that to him at all costs here? And like, what's, you know, if the choice is Gordon or giving up Jalen and smart, like for, again, not that those deals would necessarily come up, but there are going to be a ton of hypotheticals that, that come up there. So it's like, how, how low are you guys willing to, to sell on Hayward or you just want to like get him through the next season to make sure he can rebuild his value. I don't know who, like what you're getting for Gordon or why you would even, you know, it would be salary filler. It would be so you could keep your other young guys. Hmm. I mean, when I look at Gordon as kind of like a trade for the trade, it's like, that the KD hypothetical that we used in our last episode or two episodes ago, whenever that was, uh, like that kind of stands out to me. But like, what's an example, B Rob, of 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 tr- using that contract as as filler? Are you just talking about in an AD hypothetical, like, in, like an AD, yeah, like some kind of a three team situation? Mike Conley was another one, all the way. But again, this is on this. Yeah, Mike Conley. Yeah, but again, this is not up to the Celtics. This is up to who 
uh, who is trading AD or trading Conley or trading whoever. You know what I mean? Totally. So, so like, it's kind of a moot point in my... I just think his value is so low. It's not like... It's not like an either or if you're David Griffin. Do you know what I mean? And, and like, also, Hayward is not young. I mean, he's... Is he going to be 29 next year? Yep. Yeah, so... No, it's not going to be an either or. It's just going to be like, do you want to deplete your picks more than all your young talent? I should I right. should mention also real, real quick to clear something up. I I said I think it was the last podcast that Gordon had a fifteen percent trade kicker, but uh, our good friend uh, Ryan Bernardoni, Dan Jerkhart on uh, on Twitter, uh, wrote to inform us that because he's already making the max for a player with his experience, that trade trade kicker is is insignificant. So that's not that's not even a factor. Did you pronounce danger danger? <laughs> Dan, Dan Jerkhart, I believe, is his full name. Daniel Jerkhart. I never know. knew that. Yeah, no, that's it. Oh wow, Ryan Bernardo- Bernardoni, aka Dan Jerkhart. Bernardoni, Bernardoni. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm totally cool. li- I'm totally lying, by the way. But but he but he, <laughs> but he is in on the, he's he's in on that joke. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. cool, wonderful. Um, okay, so are we done with Gordon? I mean, is anything anybody else have anything to say about him? I mean, Rich, do you have any thoughts on that or do you, I'm curious to. No, I mean, my, my thought is still that like a lot of it just depends on the destination. And I, and I do understand that it's not necessarily very likely that we'll find that destination that is going to be as excited to acquire Gordon and they're going to have something that's going to work for the Celtics and, and all that. But, um, I'm, but I, I've said, I'm all in on, on next year. I, I really think that he is going to be, let's, let's just accept he's not going to be the guy who was before the injury. I think he's going to get pretty close. And you know we'll see how how the chips fall with 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 AD and, and Kyrie, but at the end of the day, I, I don't I don't necessarily think the Celtics are going to regret if they end up you know with Gordon on the team next year. He's going to be on the team next year. He's going to yeah. Barring He's making thirty two million dollars. Well, he, he, should, he shouldn't even be on this list then. Why are we talking about him? Because he's under contract, and this is a trade value ranking. Jeez, Louise, Rich. <laughs> I'm I'm going to do a podcast with Dan Jarkart. Next next season. <laughs> All right, who's next? I can, is it going to be called the, the the trade kicker? Is that what the, this podcast <laughs> is going to be called? Catchy. Um, uh, all right, so we're at number six. Six. Well, I, I had Robert Williams sixth, right? In yeah, front of... I mean, I'm in, I'm impressed. Yeah, give me the case for Time Lord over Hayward. He's making two million dollars, and Gordon's I mean, making thirty seven. Pretty good. That's basically my case. Um, or thirty two. I'm sorry, not thirty seven. That's a lot. Um, but how can you be so po- optimistic about Gordon next year and not think that other GMs are going to have the same vibe? Like, right? That's what I'm saying. It's thirty-two million dollars. Like, there's but a say, salary cap. But say you got cap space. Say you like missed out on some. Like, say you're the Pacers and you yeah. missed out on all. You have cap space. No, none of the big names want to come there. And you have you could re-sign like Collison and Bogdanovich to like you know, $10, $15 million a year deal. Or you could be like, or we could trade for Hayward. Would well, a situation like that appeal to them? Like, what would you do? Well, I, like, why, I, I just don't know why anyone would do that. I really don't. Like, I, I get what you're saying, but what, what are you giving up to get Gordon Hayward? Like, why would you're you? Not, nothing significant. Like, more than you're giving up to give a, to take Time Lord, like, I don't know, protected first round pick. Mm. I know the contract doesn't work here with Gordon, but one Pacers guy that I'm interested in is, is Sabonis. Obviously, I'm interested in him, but so they've already they've proven so they would they would never ever yeah, they never ever do that. Ever, ever do that. Okay, so, hear hear me out though. So we we've proved. I don't know if it's proof, but certainly they seem to prove last year that they do not want to play Sabonis and Miles Turner. There's something they have against that. Correct. So they tried it in a are you going are you going to extend? So they already extended Miles Turner. You're going to extend both these guys on pretty legit contracts and just never play them together? No, but dude, there's 28 other teams. Like, why would I have <laughs> like getting Gordon Hayward? Like, would you I, trade? Just... Would you trade Jalen Brown for Sabonis? No. 
Mm, probably not, no. All right, we, get, we can talk more when we get to Jalen, but yeah, I say I know it doesn't work for Gordon in that case, but that's the dude. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to keep Turner and Sabonis. They better start playing them together if they do. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's I agree great. with all that. I just don't know how it relates to Gordon Hayward and his trade value. Well, we already Which said, he's not, we already said he's not getting traded. No. Um, okay, so who, who did you guys have at number six then? I mean, you guys were, I think we were on the same page there. I had Robert Williams sixth. Right. And then I had I had Gordon sixth. Yeah, I do too. Okay. So we're on number five? We're on number five. All right. My number five is the 14th pick in this year's draft. I also have that. Same here. It's it's tough. Like, I, you know, you would think that, like, in an ideal world, just because it sneaks into the lottery, you think maybe you'd get someone maybe better than Marcus Smart. But I don't know. Marcus is Marcus already. At the end of the day, I think that, that counts for a lot. But you, but you never know when someone's going to fall in love with someone on draft night, and that's sort of the benefit of having these these three picks. You know, it's it's someone that a team just assumes is going to be gone at fifteen, and then nineteen comes along, and their guy's still around, and then they can call the Celtics. Hey, you know, what do you want for twenty? And that's maybe we can get some craziness unfolding. But yeah, fourteen is five for me, yeah. or six. Sorry, we're in fifth. Yeah. Um, can I just read off some recent fourteenth? overall uh picks in the you know draft. that's all random right the 27th and the 14th like it's not it is random but these aren't even like this isn't even like a case for the 14th pick it's just i'm just like the guys that would fall there okay yeah um so starting i'll go in from 2013 on randomly um because in 2013 Giannis was 15th and Shabazz Muhammad was 14th. Who, who went before uh, Shabazz? Kelly Olenek, 13th. <laughs> classic Kelly Kelly went 13th, that is right. Traded um, up for that one. Yeah. Woof. Um, let's see. 2014, it was TJ Warren. Solid player. 2015, campaign. Not Ooh. a solid player. Uh, 2016, Denzel Valentine. Which mm-hmm. uh, not great, not Maybe. great. Uh, yeah. And then uh, 2017, Bam Adebayo, which I think is a player you would be happy with. Absolutely. And Celtics Michael would Porter, really be happy with that. Yet. Yeah, and and then the, this last year was Michael Porter who fell because uh, no one knows what the deal is with his back. I believe the Celtics were trying to get him. Last trying year, to trade up, was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when he was plummeting, I think a lot of teams were trying to make that move, um, which makes sense. His, he could still be really good. Um, but I, I, I think just for me, again, it's just cost control and first round picks are really valuable. And it, it, it does, I think a, a var- variable here is the talent in the draft. And I cannot speak on that really at all. Um, you know, you hear from people that it's just not a great draft. And I, you know, you don't really put too much stock in that stuff because no one knows anything. But... It almost makes you think it's going to be a better one just because exactly. people are saying it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I have it fifth here, and and uh, you know, I my number four. I'll just say I want to say it just because I want to compare it to number five because it was a little more difficult than maybe we're letting on here. But my number four was Marcus Smart, and I guess why I like Marcus is just the contract. The contract really speaks to me, and the fact that he also made threes this year really gets you. Like that is one of the best. It's really hard to, I think, have a contract like this where you're paying someone eight figures who is still improving. Um, like the non-rookie scale, non-max uh, deal is just. It's really hard to hit those and find someone on a long-term deal who's effective and 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 kind of increasing in value. And so that was a tough one for me, but I, I had to go with Marcus at number four at the end of the day. I am too. Well, just because I had Rich. him, I had Jalen ahead of Marcus when we talked last time. So that's four and three for me. So you had Smart at four. Yeah, yeah. So I have I have Jalen at four. Um, again, piggybacking off for that last discussion, and I and to your point, Mike, I think this is while Jalen, no question, has the higher upside as we talked about last week. The challenge of signing him to that right amount in that next deal that like makes sense for him 
is why I think smart has the edge right now. Cause you have that certainty of smart for the next three years. And you only have that for Jalen for one more season until he has to get his, you know, very big raise, probably north of $20 million a year, assuming that he plays, um, well, uh, next season. So I just think when you, you factor in, would you rather be paying smart 13 million or Jalen 23 million or whatever, um, a year for the next couple of years? I think most, I think it's going to be close. I think it depends again, a lot on what type of team you have and what you need on your team. But my guess is more teams would like smart for his, for that, cost fit versus the uncertainty that Jalen's free agency can bring. Do you think that there, I, I mean, that's all that's, I agree with everything you said, but don't you think that some GMs and decision makers around the league, like the hubris that comes with that position would lead you to say that some think that they can sign Jalen for a team friendly deal or, or extend him to a team friendly contract and not, be like just be confident in their own ability there because just like if i was another gm i would just be much more attracted and like i would just give up more for jalen straight up so i would but i get what you're saying about yeah the worry i think you're generally like most years are right that the 2020 free agency class is is pretty much trash after like anthony davis um and like draymond and so my worry would be, okay, like, I don't want to have to deal with an Otto Porter situation um, with Jalen. And that, I feel like, could very much be in play um, based on the, the lack of talent, the lack of young talent on the unrestricted free agency market. Yeah, I could see that. He's still agentless, right? I mean, Otto... Jalen? Still no agent? Uh, I believe so. Yes. He is in Egypt right now, according to his Instagram. Oh, yeah, with his mom, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty sweet position for Jalen to be in, knowing that. I don't know how much he, you know, would pay attention to that. But if he if he just looks at that 2020 free agency class, and I don't know, maybe we can talk about this another time in terms of how that should factor into anything the Celtics are doing this offseason, if at all. But, like... It sucks. It's pretty bad. <laughs> and so, I mean, there's not any... I mean, Al obviously could come up to that year if, you know, he opts in. Um, but it's going to be – the, the competition is going to be tough to keep anyone that's good during that summer, assuming that a bunch of teams have a lot of cap space, which may, may or may not happen depending on how free-willing teams are this offseason. But Jalen is totally that kind of guy that some shitty team would throw a lot of money at. Right? Mm-hmm. So I just – I would worry about that. Like but, if you were the, like the Atlanta Hawks. Oh my god, hometown, right? Yeah, yeah, I feel like they would just max that, max him out in like two seconds. But right. he's just a really good fit there. But yeah, that's so. I, I yeah. So and, and Trey, Trey and John Collins would be a nice, <laughs> fun two guys to play with. I think too. That would be an yeah. It's that's just a complimentary, just a sensical complimentary trio right there. I mean, Zion wants to play there. Zion looked like he wanted to play there. Right? (laughs) He was tapping that logo. Um, All right. So we're down. To the top two? We're down to. Well, no. So I am going to go with. um, Yeah, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to go Memphis pick number three. (laughs) Classic Bureau. I love it. Yeah, incredible. Um, Memphis pick number three. I don't. I worry about this pick, gentlemen, about the actual value. It's, It's obviously a very promising pick but i worry about the what's happened at the draft and how much in the new draft odds and how other teams are reeling this pick so your fear is that okay i know you already said it but this is top six protected in 2020 unprotected in 2021 correct your fear b rob is that it will fall outside of the top six yes or or by the time it comes about in 2021 like memphis with Jackson and Morant and Morant will be in his second year, assuming they pick him. It'll be a King situation. 
where they are better than anticipated. Obviously not as good as the Kings were this year, but like they're, you know, the, the eighth or ninth worst team in two years. I've mentioned it. It still feels like more of a net situation than me where they suck just long enough for the Celtics to, to get what they need and then kind of figure it out. Like who else is going to be with, with John next year? Because Conley's going to be gone. Valanchunas is okay. Um, they got right. Yeah. Like from the Raptors. Um, and the West. They've got Avery just, Bradley under contract. <laughs> they do. They got, they have like a, they were, they have a bunch of like sneaky, respectable players. I don't, I mean, they don't, they don't have a coach. They're obviously going to be tanking next year or at least try, you know, should be trying to tank next year. Right. But I do worry with these new draft odds. Like even if you're the, you know, look at the, the Knicks were the only team in the, in the, bottom four that drafted in the top four this year so even if like i mean small sample size right small sample size but even then like you have a 13.5 the the the, the range here is much wider yeah so but you, it could also be the number one pick true but the odds of it are lower the odds are lower um i feel you uh but and john marine is good i think he may be good um i think that they will I think the odds are on them being one of, like, obviously we should we should also talk about Conley and the fact that you know who knows maybe they they choose to keep him and and for another year they can't find a deal that they want. I personally don't think that's going to happen at all. I think he's very unlikely to be in a Memphis Grizzlies jersey at the start of next season. But if he is not, then I feel like that top six is almost a lock. And then you're unprotected. And, like, I mean, I don't know. It, it feels like that's going to be a – it's going to yield, like, a top five pick, top six pick at worst. And But would you feel like that about the Kings, though, this year? Like, how confident were you about that, the Kings kick? But just look at the talent, though. I mean, it's just between Buddy Heald, between Fox, between Collie Stein, between Bagley. Yeah. Like, they had already – they had some legit young I mean, talent on that team. Right, so I mean, the Grizzlies have Jackson, Morant, and then another top five player in the twenty twenty draft. Like that's that's something, you know. That's like I mean, again, it's not it's not good, but it's like so when you're and then you have an unprotected pick, you're they have no reason to tank in twenty twenty one. So let too. me let me say real quick that like this whole the new lottery is basically set up to reward like to so this kind of like kills your argument because if you get the whatever like the sixth seventh eighth if you fall in that range you're much more likely to jump up in this system than before so like i don't know i mean i I would personally roll the dice and just say that like you're going to get a, a high lottery pick in all likelihood and high lottery picks are just a really good thing to have as assets and as uh, players to build upon in your organization. So I, I, I like the pick. I had it number two for me. Um, and uh, Yeah. I'm also just looking real quick at the teams, the really bad teams from this past year, right? So Phoenix, you got to figure at some point they're going to be at least respectable. Next year, it would be in, like, between Booker and Aiton. I think maybe they're going to be respectable next year. Dallas was was bad. They'll be better. Chicago will be better with with Markinen and Carter back and, and and Levine. Cox will be better. So you get the Knicks and you got the Cavs, but there are not that many really bad teams. Maybe the Hornets if Kemba's gone. But I just think that it's going to be hard for them to crawl out of that the bottom six or top six, however you want to call it. They also don't have a coach right now. We just like can't even project how they're going to play. And like I, I don't know. They just seem like they're a mess. Their owner is like. It's got financial problems. Like, <laughs> I, I I don't know. I I, I would be re- really happy to have that pick. I think it's one of the better. I mean, a lot of people talk about the Heat pick and the uncertainty around that. I I think this Memphis pick is one of the better traded traded. Oh yeah, draft it's much better. Much league. better than Miami. No question about that. Yeah. Wait, um, just to be clear, does this mean that B-Rep has smart is at two? Yeah, it's number two. <laughs> This is one of the weirdest, like, arcs of all time. <laughs> right? Like, we're going back, like, three years when Marcus Smart was 
trash compared to Jay Crowder, and now we're oh we're come on, come on. This is uh, this that is, was a that was a Jalen Brown debate. You've taken lost that. You've one. taken steps here, B. Rob. I'm proud. Yeah, like it's more. Listen, the guy <laughs> takes, it takes a strong year. man to admit to admit faults exactly. and come around like this, B. Rob. I'm gonna around. give it to you. Hundred percent. So, uh, all right. So, do you want to talk about? I feel like we've. I don't know. We've talked about Jalen versus Marcus like quite a bit in our last episode, but um, why don't you speak to why you had, wait, so you have the, wait, I'm so sorry. Where where did you have the Memphis pick? Three. Okay. So, and it's very close. Like it's not a, I'm honest. It's, it's partially doing it. So the, to break up, we don't want to have it completely the same uh, lineup in the top three. Yeah, take yeah. one for the podcast. I like that. Exactly. Appreciate Devil's you, advocate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I feel like the, I don't know, I, I feel this, again, you look at just how things were burned a little bit, again, with picks in recent years, and I still see for the teams that are going to supposed to be better, like you mentioned, Rich, like Phoenix and Dallas and Chicago, like you also have like the Wizards who are going to take like a, and the Cavs aren't going anywhere. And I feel like Charlotte, like you mentioned, they could be going really down there too. So like also look, those teams that you said were going to get better and like not convinced. That yeah, exactly. And they're still, they'll be better than Memphis though. I think maybe. I mean, we'll see. maybe Memphis gets a good coach and they overachieve. Like, I don't know. They have a whole new front office in there. Who knows what the heck's going on there right now? So it's, it's really tough to project out. I just, I worry more about the new lottery like system making it unprotected unprotected picks are still great obviously but there's still like there's less certainty now on where those picks are going to fall both you know for the good and the bad and when you're looking at a team that you think could be a bottom 5 team that's the odds are a little less promising there Yeah I'm with you uh, Um so we're jumping up to number one now for that conversation. Yeah, all, all that said, if you got Jason Tatum with that Memphis pick, that's a that's a good deal. <laughs> he is the he is the number one guy for sure. Is he, I, I did you guys think one. about this at all for Tatum, like for no. the Memphis pick for you? This is a slam dunk. I mean, when I initially penciled everything in, I, I yeah, I started with Tatum, and I I put it side by side next to the Memphis pick. And just looked at it, and it's just like that Memphis pick is just never, like, it's I don't want to say never because I don't I can't name one player who's going to be in those drafts, but like, <laughs> um, I just think it's really unlikely anyone comes into the league looking like Jason Tatum. Who um, would you rather? How have? much of a hit? How much of a hit did his value take this year? We, that's obviously been. I have a stat. Yeah, please. Jason Tatum had a higher plus minus this season than James Harden, Clay Thompson, and Kawhi Leonard. Wow. Pretty good stat. Marinate on that. I know my, I fir- he- my first instinct was like, yeah, that, that is just an insignificant stat. Then. <laughs> 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 Guess it doesn't mean that much after all. Um, I, mean, I, I, mean, I mean, like, no, B Rob, you could ask your question. No, I was like, Rich, I feel like you were down on Tatum maybe a little bit more than us over the course of the year was that fair and and just and just in the context of expectations and it's, and it's my own fault right for getting too far ahead of it maybe but uh yeah I was expecting what from what I we saw at the end of last year you know the last one of the last images of him is dunking on LeBron in game seven um my hopes were a little bit higher just for consistency but it's so hard to I I really hope that we can look back this season will just be an aberration for for all these guys but I don't think it hurt his you know, with any GM, I don't think anyone's going to re- overreact to that. Or, you know, maybe if you want to play hardball with negotiations, you can say, Danny, well, he wasn't looking that, that good last year. Maybe you got to throw in Marcus. But uh, at the end of the day, I don't think the Celtics are budging on where they think this kid's going to be. I don't think yeah. anybody should. It's like, it's called having foresight. Like, I. Sure. Yeah. It's, he's. It's a tough buck series. It was a tough buck series, but he was dead. It's a tough. It, I mean, and Gian- Giannis had a tough Raptor series, you know, it's. This whole seat, yeah, and like if you just look at where he is now compared to a lot of guys who have went on to become stars, like look at the All NBA teams right now. Who was doing what he was doing in their first two years? 
particularly the rookie year. I mean, I just don't think you get worse as a basketball player. And I, I don't know, like I've talked a lot about it and I, I just think a lot of the talk about his, his uh, regression is just a really exaggerated. And is he perfect? No. Um, could he have got to the line more? Could he have shot more threes? Excuse me. Uh, could he have been more disciplined on defense, take fewer long twos, uh, settled less than he did? Uh, yeah, sure, all that. But, like, he's just so skilled. Like, there's just so few. I, I saw growth as a playmaker. There's so few players in the league at his age ever who can create just about any shot they want, get space. Um He's just so smooth, and it's just like imagining what he'll be in five years is is really scary still. And it's really difficult. Can we we tried to you know you you compare you didn't compare Jalen and Paul George last time, Mike, but we were talking about ceiling, right? Like who in the best case scenario, who can Jalen Brown be? And like for me, KD is always the the place you go to with with Tatum in a perfect world. Um, but you know. Twenty-one years old, KD. This is his third year, but he led the league in scoring with thirty points a game. But he also was getting opportunities that Jason isn't even close to yet. You know, like it's hard. It's hard to compare those guys or any of the guys that are in the the first team NBA this year because there hasn't been the volume. It's hard to to grow when you're not just being able to go out there and chuck the way that some of these guys do the first two years. No, and it's so rare for a, a player of his talent to enter the league on a good team that has expectations like, like Kawhi. Same, we didn't know it at the time but Kawhi, Kawhi is probably a good example yeah Kawhi yeah also I mean Kawhi was drafted 15th overall so like it's just I mean if you're the third overall pick you don't go to a really good team like it's just it, it's it almost never happens and for that to happen with Jalen and Tatum, I think just people forget that and forget to your point, Rich. You know, opportunity and situation and where your shots coming from and who's around you. There's obviously benefits to going into those situations with, uh, you know, locker rooms that are ostensibly filled with veterans who will, you know, instill positive habits. But like as we saw, that that didn't even happen this year. So it's <laughs> like. I don't know. You gotta you gotta really look at context when you look at Tatum and Brown and just what they could be and can be in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, to me, it all comes down like everything you just said makes sense, Mike. Um, but a lot of it too also comes down to like shot selection. I think it's just going to be like what that's whether it's in that because that factors so much into the free throw rate and everything else. Like he could get to the line more. Why is he not getting the line more? Cause he's settling for too many jumpers. And so like, if he, if he just gets back on track on that front and again, a lot of it, you know, probably comes down to spacing and who he's on the floor with. Again, all these other factors that a lot of it should change for next year. Um, but whether he can come to terms with, I mean, do you guys want him to be, like, think about what he was during his rookie year and how, you know, a lot of the storyline during that year was the Brad Stevens wasn't taking the reins off Tatum. He Like, they wanted him to, you know, kind of just take threes and take other selective shots. And that obviously worked really well for him when Kyrie was healthy. And then clearly, obviously, he got hurt and things changed. And he killed it in, in a bigger role. But, like, does he need to... Is he capable of going back to that, like you know, more certain number two, number three role, or do you want him just to like spread his wings as like a one, a one B or a strong number two? It's hard, right? I mean, cause, cause very well, he could be doing it on another team, right? Sure. But, um, if he's here, if he's here, I think it's time to take the training wheels off. Right. But if, but if Kyrie also is, is I, I don't know how that works. Right. Does that work? I don't think so. Unless, I mean, Kyrie needs to, I'm not saying that he necessarily even should, but like, you know, there would have to be a, a you know, they got to figure it out among each other and Kyrie would have to be on board. But I think if you're keeping this kid now, 21, and I think it's time to see what, what, what he can do and let him make mistakes. And 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 it's just hard, right? Because like a lot of times these, like these young kids, they have the opportunity to do that because there's no real expectations. Like when you're, if you're making a mistake, it's not going to cost your team the number one seed. It's just not even in the, Maybe you're going to make the playoffs, so it's just hard. But I, I, it's 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 two years is enough for a talent like this. 
to hold back. Yeah. Like what's Stuart Cole? Yeah, it's tough. Um, I mean, I think it, your your expectations as an organization and what you want to accomplish that year and what your goals are definitely matter in this conversation because I don't think necessarily letting Jason Tatum be the very best Jason Tatum he can be statistically is a recipe for the Celtics being the best team that they can be. So I think it's really tough when you are as yeah. I mean, everything I, I mentioned earlier about how these guys are entering winning situations right away, like they've basically entered the league at a time when they should be spreading their wings and blossoming, but instead they've, they're immediately asked to sacrifice. And it's the, basically the first time in their life their basketball life that they've had had to sacrifice. And it's so unfamiliar. And so, I don't know, there's just an f- impatience factor, which I think we saw from Tatum this year. And it's, it's just a really difficult and unusual situation for someone that young and that talented to deal with. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, I guess that's why, again, so much hinges on Kyrie here in terms of, you know, if, he, if he's coming back, then maybe obviously gets easier to trade Tatum to a degree for AD. Hmm. Um, but if he's, if Kyrie's gone, then you obviously don't have to worry about like, you know, Tatum's, if he's still here, it's going to get his shots. And it's just like the problem kind of solves itself to that degree. But then do you like consider moving Tatum anyway, if you want to roll the dice with AD anyway, which we've talked about, which um, is a whole different can of worms, but it's fascinating. It's it's a lot of tough choices, but they're, you know. But number one things, was not a tough choice for us. Number one was case. not a tough choice for this one. I would agree with that. Um, all right, let's sneak in some quick finals talk to wrap things up. Um, as the, the Raptors Warriors uh, kick off on Thursday night, Mike, you'll be on the scene in Toronto. I will. For the first couple games. The passport ready. Um, Warriors are heavy favorites for the series, are underdogs for game one. Um, how do you see this series playing out, gentlemen? What's what we can I getting a surprise here? Can I start it off with a question for you guys? Please. I want you guys to off the top of your heads rank the top three players in the series. Um, okay. Kawhi, Steph, and Draymond. Is Durant? Are we including Durant, or is he out? No, we're not. Him? We're not going to include Durant. Okay. Draymond and Clay was tough for me, but yeah, um, I'm, I'm so probably going to. So you got you have Kawhi first, Rich. Yeah, pretty easily. Yeah, okay. I, have, I have Kawhi, Steph, and then Clay, but it's close to Draymond, close four. Okay. Um, I agree with all of that, and uh, I just like to give a middle finger salute to Jay King, um, who. <laughs> Uh, went at me on Twitter <laughs> for for saying what for calling me effing insane for saying that anyone but Steph is the best player alive. Um, so shout out to him and his terrible opinions, <laughs> consistently terrible opinions. Um, and yeah, no. So <laughs> moving on to the series. No, but real quick, is Kawhi because with KD out, I mean, we'll see if he comes back. But is Kawhi going to be guarding Steph? I mean, no, sorry, uh, Clay. Is that what we're expecting? Who's Kawhi going to be guarding? I, I would not. No. No. I my I view, I view the matchups like. Well, wait. wait who who is on offense? What are you What are you asking? I'm saying who is Kawhi Leonard? Assuming that Kevin Durant's not going to play, who is Kawhi yeah. Leonard going to be matched up against? Jonas Drebko. No, who, who? Yeah. Who, who is he guarding? <laughs> I think that you can like the way I envision this series is like the number one thing is you want to stop the the Steph you want to have an answer for the Steph Draymond pick and roll which destroyed the Rockets and destroyed the Blazers so what I would do if I was Nick Nurse is I would put Lowry on Steph and I would put um and I would put either Pascal or Kawhi on Draymond and that just lets you switch those pick and rolls and kind of eliminates them as an option where you don't have to trap you don't have to put yourself in the four on three and so like if I'm nurse what I'm really to answer your question like with Kawhi I like without KD there's no real 
Like he can, you can put him on clay and have him like snuff out clay, but I don't think that's a really good strategy because it limits Kawhi's ability to help. Like whoever guards clay is just kind of, he's just out. Like that's right. You're standing in the corner, you're away from the action and you're taking out clay, but that's kind of what the Warriors want you to do in a lot of different ways. So I would put Danny green on clay I mean, this defense is just absurd. We should say, like, it's it's perfectly matched up to to stop this offense, which is why I actually think the Raptors can win the series. Um, and I don't think I don't understand why that's like such a, a hot take, but whatever. People are going to be people, but um, I would probably put Kawhi on Iguodala. Maybe I mean, you want to just be able to switch all of the screen and roll action, um, right? On and off the ball, and I mean, you do do a ton of switching anyway. So a lot of this is is moot, but to take away that initial Curry, uh, Draymond pick and roll, I would just put either Kawhi or Pascal on Draymond, let the other one help off a non-shooter, and then you're in business. That yeah. makes sense. I can I see that. I don't. I wouldn't mind them trying Pascal. Go ahead, you're up, sir. No, I'm just looking at like. Yeah, like defensively. I mean, Toronto beat the Warriors twice in the regular season too, I believe, correct? Yeah, the, I, w- I was looking at those. Like, we, we shouldn't. Much, we but... shouldn't. I don't think Curry played in one, and I'm pretty sure. Like, Curry did not play in the one where Durant went off for 50. So, like, Durant's not even playing, and, like, Curry's playing now. So, it's just like, I don't know. It's like. But I think it's like the East. Like, this is the year the East teams, like, obviously can come to play. Like, we're able to go toe to toe with the Warriors all year long. Like the the cream of the East, so like with Durant not there, I do think. I mean, the Warriors should be favored, no question. But I I do think it's closer than you know a lot of people think it's going to be. I like the I like I, the Raptors I in mean, game one. I'll say at the very least, I think they're going to win game one. Yeah, and I don't I don't know if they're going to win. Yeah, I would not ever bet money on the rap the Toronto Raptors winning game one. I don't care who's on the <laughs> roster. Of the NBA final. Um, but you they do have home <laughs> Yeah, sure. They do have home court. Uh right. which The Warriors have never not had home court during this run, correct? That is in the finals, that is correct. Uh so cuz they they didn't also, they did not have home court last year in the Western the Rock, Conference finals, that's right, right? That's right. Yeah. And this is not um, just, this is not just any home court either. This is some this is some once in a lifetime stuff going on. The the crowd is going to be crazy. Yeah. yeah for sure. Um Did you think that they maybe celebrated a little bit too much after after the Bucks game? That's the one thing that concerned no. me a little bit of them getting maybe run out of the gym in this, the entire championship series is that it seemed like that might have been their their NBA finals just getting there. No, because Kawhi is not a human. This is the thing that people need to remember about Kawhi. Like, Kawhi does not have emotions. Like, he is... <laughs> he, he doesn't view things the same way as everybody else. Like, he's... He wants... He's a Terminator. Like, so I, I, I don't think that... It, as long as he does not... Like, as long as he is even keeled, it's all that matters. And he is even keeled. And he will be, yeah. But I will say one thing that kind of bothered me was like how Toronto celebrated the fact that there were no arrests like cool mm. i guess like what i, I don't why was like well, who cares like, well, what's the big I, deal? I bet you most i bet you most cities have a decent amount of arrests i think when boston had its well first of all they were for championships not getting to the championships <laughs> i will say that's true too um so like let's see if there's no arrests when they actually are hanging a banner but there were like several like cars driving into I shouldn't be laughing, but cars driving into crowds of people oh, when no. the Patriots won. Like they, I remember there being some bad things that happened. And the cops can also be pretty selective about what they'd like to arrest people for. Like if they're really down with making that announcement that no one was arrested, you can maybe let some things slide that otherwise would have. Because I mean, the Boston guys, I, I, I've been out there sometimes after certainly some of the first few championships, and and they're looking to to round up some people. You know, Sam. Yeah, um, good for Toronto. Good for Toronto. The, no, the, I was no, happy for them. The real test is after a big loss. <laughs> That's when you see what, what you're really made of. <laughs> Jurassic Park after they lose Game Seven. Let's see yeah. how many. How many. Um, close it out. Toronto uh, updated odds on Kawhi Leonard from BetOnline.ag for his next first regular season game for next year. Raptors, uh, two to three favorites now. Really? 
uh, Clippers are three to two. Um, Lakers four to one. Nets six to one. Knicks ten to one. I gotta say, if any, and now after reading the story in ESPN about the Lakers culture or complete lack thereof, um, I just don't know how you could sign there. Like I, I don't know. I think LeBron's future is very touch and go right now at that organization. It wouldn't surprise me if something happened there. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I if, mean, cause if you, they if they strike out this off, if they strike out, Rich, what do you think he ass out like this off season? Well, he would. He would. I mean, it, yeah, in some way, shape, or form. I don't know if he'd ever like be able to walk in and have a human conversation. He'd probably leak it fifteen thousand ways that he wants. <laughs> um, but yeah, would he cause? Would he stir up some trouble? Would he get the toxic machine going? Yeah, with, with, without a question. That's uh, that's how he rolls. Um, but yeah. I don't know. I think I, th- I think that's all I got on the on the finals. Do you have anything else to, to close up on? Yeah. What are the predictions? Predictions. Uh, so I think the Raptors win game. So in my head, the Warriors know that they can lose the first two games and still win the series. Um, so that's why. I, and and if because they went down by seventeen three straight last three games against Portland, right? Wasn't that the number? Correct. So, yep. yeah, if that happens in game one or game two, I don't think that they're going to come back from that. So I'm going to say that they – I'm going to say five, Warriors and five. They lose one of the first two, most likely Warriors game one. Warriors and five, wow. Yeah. Okay. I got Warriors and seven. I think we've got a long series coming. So game seven – so that we're going to get the test to see how Jurassic Park does yep. after losing a game seven. I have Raptors and seven. Whoa. I like it. I wanted to go Raptors in six, and then Oracle closes out with yeah, just that's... sadness, but I don't think that's going to happen. Don't Raptors Daddy, fans Daddy. hate you, Pina? No, I think we're cool now. Oh, nice. I've said, I've written. They definitely are after this one. <laughs> I've, I've, I've written and said so many nice things about Kawhi, who is my favorite player. So, so next year, I'll go back to hating you. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. I'm just looking forward to a competitive finals. It's been. Three, last three, year was four years. Last year was really brutal. After game one, the last so, two years have been brutal. Uh, yeah. I I don't know. I feel like we remember. I feel like those games individually were competitive, but you remember it just because of how short it was that it, it wasn't. If that makes any sense. Like game one was so good last year. Yeah, game. But then the rest of them were. I know they were trash. even. But two years ago, it was like. You know the first two games weren't good, if I remember correctly, and then game three was close. But then, but that's the series. Like you, you had good game the there. The KD walk off threes. I forget if those were in game four or game three. But uh, right. Durant's not playing. We have like it's like we finally got the Warriors. A lot of good storylines here, and a lot of like on paper it should be, you know, pretty even as long as Durant isn't on the floor. So, um, who's your Finals MVP? That's all. We'll close with that. Ooh, Fred Van Vliet, uh, Steph, <laughs> Steph finally gets it. I'm gonna say Draymond. Whoa, okay, I'm going Kawhi. Yeah, I like the Draymond pick, Rich. I thought about that. That's <clears throat> I really hope he does win for he's reasons playing really well. right now. Ooh. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> That's that was, a tease. Well, he, well, he he'll be guarding Kawhi. We, we're comfortable saying that, or is Clay maybe? No, guarding? no, no. Iguodala's gonna guard Kawhi. Man, they got a lot of good defenders on that team. It's really good. All right. Cool. All right. Good Good pod, guys. <laughs> uh, we're going to be back uh, next week after the, the finals are in play. And then we've got some good uh, good topics brewing for the next few weeks. It's going to be a very, very busy week heading into June, obviously into the draft. We're going to keep it right here. Subscribe to the Winning Place pod if you have not done that yet. Rate and review us, uh, please. Uh, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, we really do appreciate it. At Winning Plays and Pod, at Winning Plays Pod on Twitter as well. Um, give us a follow there. And as always, thanks for listening. And we'll uh, we'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>